going on, everyone? Welcome into another edition of the Final Whistle Sports Podcast. Uh, I want to apologize for last week. We did not have any episodes. I was actually away on vacation um, enjoying myself. So I, I know I didn't put that out there on my social media that I was not going to be around. But I'm here this week. It's a Tuesday. And there are some major storylines that took place this past weekend as well as even re- more recent, like yesterday. And we're going to talk all about it. We're going to talk Russell Westbrook. What is his legacy as he just broke the all-time triple-double mark, passing Oscar Robinson with his 182nd triple-double. We're going to dive into the Kentucky Derby as well as the legacy of Bob Baffert now that his horse tested positive for steroids due to what has been deemed as an ointment that they were using for injuries. And then lastly, I didn't get to talk about the NFL draft. It's going to be really quick. I'm going to give you the three teams that knocked it out of the park. But without further ado, let's jump right into the Final Whistle Sports Podcast. Russell Westbrook. Last night, his 182nd triple-double. 28 points, 21 assists, 13 boards. As the Wizards ended up coming up short, losing by a point as Russell Westbrook attempted a game-winning three-point shot. Came up short. Atlanta ends up winning. But the overlying story, Russell Westbrook is now the all-time leader in triple-doubles. The whole NBA world took notice, even the Oklahoma City Thunder team that drafted him out of college, out of UCLA, acknowledged the historical mark after getting his first triple-double there and then passing the all-time mark last night with the Wizards. He also spent time as a Houston Rocket. So those were his three teams where triple-double mania ensued. But the real question is, How do we view Russell Westbrook now? What is his legacy? I've been watching shows. I've been trying to understand more than anything. He's a very polarizing figure. If you may remember, when he was coming out of UCLA, he was averaging under 10 points in his collegiate career coming out of school. So where does everything take place? Does he end up trying to... end up being a ball hog because his usage rate is off the charts one of the most huge players in the NBA or do you try to understand a new different and understand what he has brought to the table yes Russell Westbrook has one of the craziest motors if not the best motor in the NBA he is going 110 miles an hour all the time He's one of the few guards that goes in and rebounds every time a shot goes up. He's a rebounding guard. We knew that. Coming into the league, he was a defensive prodigy. That was his game. He got criticized in OKC, not passing the ball off to Kevin Durant in late game situations. He was taking more shots attempts than Kevin Durant. James Harden goes away after they reach the NBA Finals and come up short. Kevin Durant leaves after they blow the 3-1 lead to the Warriors. Then, he was all by himself. He's now going to potentially have his fourth season averaging a triple-double. That is mind-blowing in and itself. Yes, he has the ball all the time. The offense runs through him. Even in Washington, where Bradley Beal is the best player on that team. 
it still goes through Russell Westbrook. Where do where do we rank him? Does he go down as an all time great? Because presently he's, in my opinion, he's only like he's not even the best point guard at his position right now. I would put Steph ahead of him. I would put CP three ahead of him. And then you can make an argument that you put potentially Luca ahead of him. You could put potentially Dame Lillard ahead of him. It's a it's a very difficult argument to understand, but he's also one of the greatest to ever do it based off of what this historical landmark is. Only four players have even reached 100. I mean, LeBron's at 99, so it'll be five, hopefully by the time LeBron retires. It is absurd to think about how we can't really understand Russell Westbrook. In my opinion, he's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. That's without question. What he This statistic, many thought was never going to be broken. And if it was going to be broken, it was going to probably be done by LeBron. And it's not. It's Russell Westbrook. An MVP. I don't know what you can say. I think we need to embrace him, understand he is polarizing. You're either... With him or you're against him. There is no in-between. But his legacy is going to be two-fold. And he will go down as a what-if. What, what, because many people still don't understand what Russell Westbrook is. I think he's one of the best to ever do it. He's going to be one of the best to ever do it. And what he did is, is simply remarkable. Give Russell Westbrook his credit, please. Give it to him. Understand that, yeah, it is a point guard league now. It is a guard-oriented NBA. But still, what he accomplished four years out in a triple-double, passing Oscar Robinson's mark of 181 triple-doubles, and he might run away with it. It depends how many more years he's going to play. I think he could stretch this record out significantly. He might, if he goes another year, another two years, it could be easily in the 200s by the time he retires. This might be his record to stay, in my opinion. And it probably will be his record, unless another enormous year starts to come, potentially with like Luka or someone else. This is now going to be Russell Westbrook's record. And he will be a first ballot Hall of Famer. You can book it. So embrace him. He's going to have his team in the playing game. I know his team's struggle in the playoffs. This is a next stepping stone for him now. You have a partner in crime, Bradley Beal, that you take advantage of it. Run with it. So Washington, you have to, you got to get Russell Westbrook out of the first round. Not It probably won't be this year. Because you're going to be stuck either playing the Nets or the Sixers. So, highly unlikely. But that's your goal for next year. you got to get Russell Westbrook out of the first round of the playoffs to help cement his legacy. Let's jump to other news that took place. Derby Day. That was this past Saturday. The Kentucky Derby. My betting horse got third. 
The favorite didn't win. He got fourth. Bob Baffert did it again. At the moment, he still holds the record with now seven derby wins as a trainer. And he, winning with Medina Spirit. But it hasn't come with closure as there is now controversy that and most likely that Kentucky Derby win will now be rescinded as his horse was treated with ointment that contained a steroid that is forbidden and it didn't have just barely over the amount it had double the amount of the steroid betmethanine beth meth Sorry, I can't say it. I'm not even going to try again. I just botched it three times on on air. But it's okay. But Medina Spirit ended up taking the victory home, but a positive drug test after he arrived at Pimlico Racetrack on Monday ahead of his Preakness States has now put that in jeopardy. Baffert has now been temporarily suspended from Churchill Downs. He is not expected to be in Baltimore this week. However, his horse is. Medina Spirit will still run this weekend. It's going to be really intriguing to see. In my opinion, he probably won't be the odds-on favorite now either. With all this controversy looming around him. But don't be surprised if he's going to be right there at the end. Because he had a perfect trip. Yes, he had a steroid in him. That is more used for his helping with dealing with injuries. And preventing that uh, injury from spreading. Especially with dermatitis. But it's going to be intriguing now to see how, what legacy does this leave for Bob Baffert? Because now this is not just the first occurrence that this has happened. Maybe not with Medina Spirit. He has had two other altercations with potentially have wins rescinded due to uh, steroids with his horses. And he's also one of the recent trainers of a triple crown winner where do we put that into the fold now does bob faffert end up maintaining that does he get canned and prevented or does he get forced into retirement i don't know what way this is going to be handled i don't think he's going to give up training this kentucky derby win will be gone it is going to be unfortunate. They're going to run a potentially another test, I believe. But it's going to be gone. He's going to be back down to six. And this is going to hurt his legacy now. Because he was he is right now horse racing. When you think of horse racing, you probably think of Secretariat, maybe American Pharaoh, and you think of Bob Baffert. You really do. There is no other way. Yeah, you can say, oh, we think of mint juleps, Churchill Downs. No. If you actually follow horse racing to a T, it evolves and revolves around Bob Baffert. That's what it is now in today's society. Horse racing is Bob Baffert based off of the high-quality wins, the resume, and everything else he brings to the table. It's not like he's a slouch of a trainer. He is the best trainer in horse racing. So how are we going to see how this unfolds this week at the Preakness? I don't know. I will be giving hopefully a Preakness pick. 
He is going to race. I don't know how it's going to unfold. I, I probably will not be taking Medina Spirit, though. I'll tell you that much. I don't think it's going to happen. So, who knew that controversy was going to evolve the Kentucky Derby after these post-race uh, tests? But Baffert also claimed that he had no clue. It wasn't him. But now he's backtracking that, assuming that he did know about the ointment. He just didn't know what was in it. Where do you go from here? So now you're, the horse has to be... Another blood sample is going to have to be done. Baffert can't appeal. However, I assume... It will not be anytime soon whether or not this uh, derby win is revoked and given to Mandalorian. They said it could not... However, the test results... They said could not be for another four to eight weeks and could have taken six months for the Kentucky Horse Racing Commission to make a decision? Come on. Make up your mind. Pull the trigger and tell them that it's rescinded. It's that simple. He cheated. He cheated. He may not have known that he was cheating, but he cheated. So... This will be the third time, in my opinion, if it does happen, that a runner-up will be named the winner. Again, we had a whole issue with that a couple of years back. It wasn't because of steroids, but because of the champion ended up, the horse veered in and crossed paths with another horse, and they claimed that the race was DQ'd for the winner, the team, the horse that won. So... It will be a unique understanding to see how this goes further. Alright, before we wrap up this quick episode, I want to go into the NFL draft now. I didn't have a chance to really deep dive into it afterwards. Again, I was on vacation, so I'm going to give you just a quick synopsis of my three teams that really took home the NFL draft. Let's start at the top. My first team, the Los Angeles Chargers. They had nine picks. And what do they do? First round, slam dunk. Rashawn Slater was projected to be a top 10 pick. Falls to them at 13, the Northwestern stud. And he is potentially better than Penny Sewell right now. They are 1A and 1B at the offensive tackle position. Easy home run. Give... Justin Herbert some protection. See you later. That makes that easier. Round two, you get a defensive back in Asante Samuel that dropped again, who I personally had as a first-round pick in my in, on my board. You could have easily had Eric Stokes went ahead of him for, to Green Bay, which, which was mind-boggling in my opinion. Green Bay is just all over the place. But still, Asante Samuel fell to them. Home run there. Then you go get a couple offensive pieces in the third round. Josh Palmer, real physical, speedy receiver out of Tennessee. McKitty, a solid tight end out of Georgia. Then you go Chris Rump, Duke, very raw. Uh, Brendan James, solid offensive tackle in Nebraska, run-oriented team in Nebraska. Sleeper of a pick in round six in Larry Roundtree, a running back out of Missouri. 
I think the Chargers almost did everything they needed to do right. You got your two top needs, and you got potentially two of the best in their position in Asante Samuel and Rashawn Slater. I mean, they may not have the ideal size for the position, but they have the instinct. Asante Samuel has crazy ball skills. His dad played in the NFL, so you know he's going to be prepared. And what else are you going to do? And some of those day three picks, Rumpf and Neiman, were top selections and stops steals in round three. So LA Chargers, well done, home run. Justin Herbert was very probably happy after that. Next up, I have the Cleveland Browns. What do they do? They have one of they take one of the top corners in Greg Newsom out of Northwestern. His ball skills aren't ideal, but he's a physical freak and he knows how to play one on one. And he's gonna be probably the answer opposite of Denzel Ward. Then probably the most wild pick of the draft, Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa, the linebacker of Notre Dame, who is easily should have been a top fifteen pick, falls late into round two. Right into Cleveland's hands. What was the knock on Owusu Koromoa? He didn't have really a true position for the next level. But now he goes to Cleveland. He's going to be able to play at multiple positions. It's going to be really intriguing, especially with Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney in front of him. You're just going to let him be a rover and allow him to uh, do what he wants. There was some reports of a potential heart issue, but... I don't think it's going to really hurt him. So what are you going to do there? Then you land some speed on the outside in round three with Anthony Schwartz from Auburn. Yeah, he's more of a, a jet sweep, wider, uh, wide receiver screen type of guy. But the dude can fly. Played track at Auburn as well earlier on in his career before fully committing to football. Absolutely phenomenal picks so those first three picks were not outstanding for cleveland then you get an offensive tackle a d tackle at ohio state toe guy then you go get richard lecount out of georgia who is a very good hard-hitting safety and has solid ball skills in round five then you have demetric felton who's more of a running back wide receiver flex out of ucla all in all cleveland well done phenomenal draft then lastly, my last team that absolutely did so well, I'm going to say the New York Jets. Yes, the team is an absolute crap show. I know, I'm sorry, I was not going to say anything more prerogative than that, but you do know what you need to do. You found your quarterback, you picked him and Zach Wilson with the second overall pick out of BYU. Critique on Wilson for me especially he, he's hurt a lot. When he was hurt in college, that means you translate, you usually are hurt in the NFL. So what do they do? You go get, you trade up for Elijah Vera Tucker, the guard from USC. Home run there, you protect him. Then what do you do in the next round? You get Wilson, a wide receiver. You'll get him a speedster in Elijah Moore out of Ole Miss. Then what do you do in round four? You get him another piece in, out of the backfield, Michael Carter, who's a ground and pound bruiser out of North Carolina. Part of that dynamic duo with Javante Williams out of North Carolina. They both rushed for over 1,000 yards last season. Then what do you do? You get another Michael Carter in 
This time it's a cornerback out of Duke. You go corner again and Jason Pinnock out of Pittsburgh. There are a lot of needs that the Jets did. But they focused on improving around Wilson, making sure that he is going to be able to succeed. That was the issue with Sam Darnold. So well done. That was a smart decision, especially when they pick pieces that fit Michael LaFleur's offense with first-year head coach Robert Sala. But they made sure Joe Douglas made a concerted effort that it was not going to be, become a failing his young quarterback without help. And that was the issue with Darnold. I think that's why they, had, they got rid of Darnold, even though you knew he, he still has the talent. They just did not help him enough. So it was time for a new direction. You go with Zach Wilson, but you make sure you have pieces around him for success. So well done. Again, my top three, I had the Chargers one, I had the Browns two, and then I had the New York Jets three. Those are the three teams that really did extremely well in the NFL draft. Well, everyone, that was a quick synopsis of the Final Whistle Sports Podcast. We got some great interviews hopefully getting set up. If you guys didn't check out our page yesterday, we made a huge announcement. There's going to be an intro and outro music that's being created by artist Oakland Hearts. If you haven't already, go check out his album, Textures. That dropped a couple weeks ago. It's absolute fire. But, and then, again, the merchandise was finished. I have it. If you guys want to, reach out to me on my social media platforms. You can do it on my Twitter, through Facebook, Final Whistle Facebook, Final Whistle Instagram. You can also reach out to me on different platforms. We have hats still. We have t-shirts still. So if you still want that Final Whistle merch, reach out to me and we can work something out. Enjoy your day, everyone. Enjoy your week. That was your Tuesday edition of the Final Whistle Sports Podcast.